Welcome back to the United Pubcast, the podcast, the official Man United Supporters Club here in Sydney. And we do have potentially a late arrival. As you can see, Rob is with me. But I'll just bring in a potential late arrival and a fresh face to the Pubcast. Uh, we'll check if it, everything is working. Um, I'll go to you first, Larry. I might as well. Um, he has joined us. How's things, Larry? Good morning. I just woke up from a nap about 10 minutes ago. I'm feeling great, refreshed, ready to hit the Friday night pint. Fantastic. So, yes, it is a Friday night here in Sydney, so please do grab a drink if you do have one in front of you or if you are watching from maybe the UK or somewhere in Europe, um, grab morning coffee or something. But, Robert, didn't mean to be rude. I was going to you to say how's things, mate, and how was your week? I'm sure it was a good week, obviously. Tom, can I cut you off? Manchester Let me cut United. you off, please. I have to cut you off. His collar is up. Rob's collar is rocking the Cantona. He feels fantastic. You don't even need to ask him. Well, Rob, we'll look at the question I'll ask you then, Rob, is Anthony the one player who could potentially wear his collar up this season? Oh, look, mate, we've got a we've got a sneak peek in his little release um, release video, so hundred percent he definitely could, mate. He's got the he's got the aura about him already. He hasn't even kicked the ball for United yet. Super. <laughs> we'll be inter- Well, do you do you back Larry? And look, we'll get into sort of the Arsenal match and if Anthony's going to be involved in some way. I think that'll be an interesting discussion from a few different sort of avenues. But just your bit of a light-hearted take to start off the Friday night pint. Would you back a player like Anthony? He's coming with a big, big price tag. Obviously, he's going to need some confidence, some self-confidence, obviously, to sort of carry that pressure and succeed himself. Would it be too much confidence if he sort of popped his collar up? Or do you think, no, that's a, a positive trait to have? I don't mind. I rock it. Why not? He's going to have pressure put on him anyway. He's got the eighty-five million pound price tag. Might as well cop a few haters along the way. Can I, boys? Can I ask you, Rob? Let me ask you this question: This little move he does, where he spins the ball on the inside of his foot and goes in circles. If he does that in the Premier League, he's going to get his ankles absolutely kicked. I think he needs to leave it in the promotional video and don't pull it out again. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't expect that. There, I think um, Ten Hag would get up him if that was to happen. We've seen what happened with Richarlison just last week, juggling the ball a few times, and someone nearly broke his leg. So, look, after maybe scores a couple hat tricks and we're a couple couple goals up, mate, go for it. But um, yeah, just wait till you hit the ground running before you start pulling stuff like that. It is an interesting thing in regards to obviously Jamie Carragher had a lot to say about that Richarlison thing, and this will happen with Anthony when we are a couple of goals up. He will do this, and unfortunately, we sort of. Some of us celebrated the Richarlison juggle. Some of us celebrated the tackle on him. It depends on how you view football. At the end of the day, in the professional game, if you are juggling and sort of taking the piss like that, it is a green light for someone to go and kick you. So Anthony will get targeted when he does that. We will celebrate the showboat and we'll think it's fantastic and we're going to criticise the player who goes and kicks him. However, if it's someone juggling against a Manchester United player, um, our players have a full, um, definitely a green light to go and sort of go through them. So it is an interesting one on how you view football. But I will get um, say good day to some people in the live chat. Chris, good to see you as always, mate. Hope you're keeping well. Ryan here from the Supporters Club in Sydney. Evening all carbon copy of last weekend. Not pretty, but that's a game. Would have drawn a loss last season. I yeah, completely agree. We'll get into the sort of the differences and um, compared to sort of previous times. And um, definitely, how often do we go back to back 1 0 wins? Not often, especially away from home. Ugly Bear, good to see you, mate. Haven't seen you here in a while. Hope all is well. Sally, good mate of mine. Hey, fellas, good to go to work with three wins in a row. Hoping for a win against Arsenal next. So, yeah, Arsenal is Monday morning our time, so it's a Friday night here. Instead of doing a specific preview over the weekend, I think we'll just sort of touch on the Arsenal match at the end of this. So a bit, bit of a longer pod tonight, so make sure you do have that drink in hand. We'll have a bit of a review, transfer window talk, and obviously finish with a bit of a preview. But, um, yeah, Chris, you're saying in regards to the first time I ever saw that trick, Larry, in terms of spinning around on the ball, 
was Cristiano Ronaldo 20 years ago at Old Trafford. Now, he didn't do it on the pitch, or so just sort of training clips. But Ronaldo definitely was one of those players. And I think the famous incident, Rob, in terms of a Manchester United player showboating, speaking of Arsenal this week, was when we was 4-0 in the FA Cup um, at Old Trafford against Arsenal. Nani picked up the ball on the sideline and juggled the ball for about 30 metres. Yep. I think it might have been maybe Justin Hoyt maybe sort of went through him. And that was one where we celebrated this trickery and the showboat in Renani. But he had every, Justin Hoyt, in my opinion, maybe I'm wrong, had every right to go through him and he did. Yeah, look, I, I love both. I love the showboating, but like I said, depends what side of the coin you're on. I love when someone goes in and um, gives them a good kick in for it as well. So, yeah, look, again, I'm not expecting any of that on the pitch until... Um, and two, he's got a few goals and assists and possibly we're a couple goals up in the, in the game one day. No, definitely. Well, Anthony will obviously dominate a lot of this discussion later in the pod when we do preview Arsenal. But Larry, 1-0, Manchester United against Leicester. A couple of weeks ago or two weeks ago, we were sitting bottom, literally bottom of the table. Here we are sort of climbing up the table in these sort of the nosebleed section of European spots. And um, But we deserve to be there. The last three games have been positive. They've been going in the right direction maybe not the highs of the Liverpool performance or not even performance the Liverpool energy that the feeling around that game maybe the performances have dropped off a little but the results have just been just as important if not even more impressive depends how you look at it just your thoughts on the match today in regards to performance and result Uh, I was messaging Rob this morning and uh, I was saying that at this point of the season you have to take one nil victories in fact I I take great pleasure in watching one nil victories Uh, it means you had to work hard for it and at this early point of the season, I mean, if you just, and I know we'll talk about Arsenal. If I look at the way Arsenal are performing against, with all due respect, Premier League fodder, let's not pretend that the fixture list has, hasn't been kind to them. It has. If I look at the way that they've exploded onto the season, I'd actually be more concerned because I feel like there's, that means that your cliffhanger is going to come sooner rather than later. You'd watch this United side, there's so much room for improvement all the time. I think what they have gotten right is the defensive structure is definitely improved. Uh, they seem to be central and compact. McTominay, I don't know what's happened over the last two weeks, but someone's told him positional midfield play. He's faultless in where he's been, and I thought he had a really good game once again. And justifying his position, it has to be said. Um, so all in all, you have to be happy. The attack will improve. I think Rashford up front, we can talk about it. It's it's not his position. Some reports coming out today that he's requested a play up front, which I find quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, uh, there's room to go. Um, can I just say, quiet shout out to Christian Eriksen. I think all the plaudits correctly, going to Lissandro Martinez, going to Casemiro. Eriksen has been a godsend in that midfield. Just the way the ball progresses from back to front, no one's talking about it. He's been brilliant. And lasted 90 minutes, mate. Yeah, indeed. Well, it'll be interesting. Look, I do want to stick on the sort of Leicester City performance and Leicester result, but it will be very interesting when we go into starting 11s for the Arsenal match when you do weigh up uh, what Eric Ten Hag is thinking in regards to Scott McTominay and Christian Eriksen because Christian Eriksen is probably other players are standing out. Sandro's standing out with goals. Ronaldo stands out because he's Ronaldo. Our defence is standing out in terms of the way they're defending. In terms of just settling in the life at Old Trafford, Rob, in regards to Christian Eriksen, hasn't been flashy and I don't think has been bad or he hasn't been great. But he just settled in and he just he looks like a Manchester United player. 100% agree. And like I said, sometimes um, it's, it's the quiet achievers, mate, that do all the hard yards, you know, picking passes, trying things, creativity. He always likes to drop back and help defend as well. So he's an all-rounder. And look, he's a true professional, like, well, like we all promised and like he's delivering. So, yeah, 
uh, uh, like I said, underrated, not getting talked up enough, but, you know, sometimes you don't have to talk about it. If he gets on the field and, you know, if he puts a seven, seven out of ten every week, that's what we want. Well, Larry was just mentioning, I'll, I'll stay with you, Rob. Larry was mentioning just in regards to the performance and until it feels good, we're playing well. I'd say, you can, you look back at the Liverpool stats and we felt like we dominated a game. We deserved to win that. We felt so good against Liverpool. If you looked at the stats, we didn't, we hardly touched the ball. I think our top parcel was like 15 passes or something. You think, how did we, it was a weird feeling going sort of out of that game. And again, two 1 0 defeat, uh, two 1 0 victories on the road, sort of comfortable, but sort of end to end, a mistake or a good shot or David Haye misses a shot sort of thing. And suddenly it's 1 1 and we're having a very different discussion. I want to ask you, are we, playing well like in regards to Eritrea or we just defending better and because of that comfortable sort of nature at the back it just feels a little bit more solid and we're not the, the football actually going forward isn't it I'm not saying it's not but are we actually not playing as well as we think we are we're just actually defending like a professional football team for once I, I think we're playing good that's probably the best way to um because I, I don't think any of these wins have been ugly wins like it hasn't been a smash and grab while we've been lucky because I think we have deserved it but like I said, it's a long way to go and a lot of improvement to go. And as Ten Hag said in his first press conference, I want to get to the point where we're playing beautiful, attractive, attacking football. But if we're not playing that, the most important thing is to get the result. And that's what we've done three games in a row now. And again, the stats stats don't always tell the story. But again, I've got the stats in front of me now. 54 possession, 54% possession to Leicester. So that was nearly half and half. They made nearly over 100 passes over us and out of our 510 passes that we did make 400 were completed so we have been losing the ball that's the, that's the part that annoys me a lot our midfield is not holding the ball enough and not controlling the game once we are get one nil up we had a few opportunities as well today to kill the game it should have been at least two or three nil especially in the late stages when ronaldo did come on this is where we need to kill the game and not have to worry about to the last second conceding the goal and stuff like that and you know we, we weren't really under attack a lot today. We, yes, there was a few set pieces, you know, from the free kicks. They were the, probably their main dangerous part besides that last bit, and I think the 91st minute where they made that little breakaway. But our defence has been so solid at the back. They're really a unit. Again, Dele, I have to say for him as well, for someone, I think his defensive game is, you know, even if it's the last three games, has really improved compared to, he was always decent in attack, but he always looked like, you know, he was always not, very, um, you know, great in the whole defensive part. But he's really, you know, we've seen him celebrating tackles and stuff like that. That 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 four at the back is really coming as a unit. And for once, I'm actually feeling more comfortable in our back four than any part of the pitch. Where normally, like it's our attack that we're kind of, you know, looking to get the result for us. We're now we're winning games more in our defense and just getting that one or two chances in the game. That's you know and. Composing, like I said, a really nice composed finish from Sancho. A nice lead up from Dallo to Bruno. Obviously, Rashford put the through ball in and, and a really good finish to get the game. But I'd love to see us kill off these games earlier on. That's what we need. Well, you mentioned the back four, which I completely agree. But um, you mentioned the back four. There's a point in the comment I want to go to, but you talk about sort of killing off games. I remember that the one sort of standout moment for me, I think it might have been under Jose Mourinho. Maybe Louis Van Gaal. I think Jose Mourinho. It was a weightless city. And I think Harry Maguire might have scored a late equaliser for Leicester City. It was a way at Leicester. I remember had, that. I remember that. Yeah. Had four or five counterattacks in the injury time and just unprofessionalism in regards yeah. to how wasteful we were and obviously paid the price. And funny that it was Harry Maguire. But Larry, I want to come to you with this in regards to a point Rob made in regards to sort of the, I don't know what to call it, celebrating in regards to some of the blocks, some of the tackles by the defenders. Mm -hmm. Sally here saying, 
Love seeing the back four and De Gea celebrate blocking shots and big saves. In my experience, that means there's a serious togetherness in the squad. Obviously, Martinez is a new player, Larry, but ultimately, and okay, two of the back four are obviously Martinez and Malasia as well. But if you look at the same players of Rafael Varane and Diego Delo, they weren't doing that last season. The same individuals, I'm sure they have the same ambition, what they want to achieve in the game. The same individuals aren't acting like that last season. Now, I'm not going to be cynical because I don't think I'm right to, and I think I, I think the players have been genuine here. So I don't think it is for the cameras. However, what is the difference? Why are they? I'm not complaining. I love to see it. But why are they celebrating? Is this something Eric Ten Hag has implemented? Is it something they got a clean sheet last week and they think, oh, hang on, I like the sound of that. Let's, um, I like the feeling of that. Let's do that again. Just why do you think the, there's a bit of a change in mentality at the back? I think you said it, Tom. I believe it's from the coaches. I think they're saying, boys, pat your teammate on the back when he makes a block. We celebrate when someone makes a half opportunity or the goalkeeper saves a good, a good shot on target. Celebrate when someone stops a goal on target, 100%. And because you have to remember, like, there are two sides of the game. And United have been so leaky defensively. So you should encourage your teammates, spur them on. Someone like Diogo Delo, who has struggled defensively in his Manchester United career, when he's going out there now making blocks, getting a feel for when to slide, when to hold off, we should be celebrating those. And I think it's, a, it's pleasing, like Rob said, United have kept clean sheets for two consecutive games. Last season, you couldn't buy a clean sheet. You're buying it with a stain. So uh, it's it's always a good sign that United are now keeping clean sheets. And I think as the attack progresses and becomes, well, once Eric Ten Hag figures out how to utilize his squad and gets a bit more consistency and a better understanding in terms of how they want to play in his system, it's gonna we're going to put it back to a solid defense first. Fergie once said it. Defense wins titles. Goals win games, but defense wins titles. And, and Ferg, Fergie said it back then. That principle in football will never change. Just just quickly, Larry, you, you bring up system again. And look, that's when I say we've been playing good and getting the results. There hasn't been one performance this season where we've seen anything from preseason. We haven't seen that press. I know Martial's not there, but we haven't seen that press. We haven't seen us dominate possession. So it's good that we're getting results now and playing not ugly football, but just, you know, getting the, you know, defense, we're winning the game more on our defense than anything. But mm. I'm hoping, you know, in the next few weeks, I really want to see us go, especially at Old Trafford, and try and dominate the game, hold the ball. I want our midfield to take control, get, manage the game, let us dominate. And you know, we've always had issues. Sometimes, you know, Van Gaal days, we dominated possession and couldn't break the low block. And we've looked, with most of our managers, we haven't broken the low block. Now we've got a bit more. You know, when you've got someone like a Casemiro there sitting in front of a back four now that looks safe, our creative players should have a bit of freedom and say, go be creative, go go, go shoot, go, you know, tick attack around the box, try and win a penalty. That's what I want to see from the boys because with Casemiro in front of that back four, you know, and the way they're performing the last three games, they should feel safe enough to go and have a bit of freedom and try and, and, try and play attractive football now. Yeah, didn't wow. Casemiro look tidy? Yeah, I was just going to say, as soon as he came on... Surprised he didn't start today, man. I really was. We were losing well, that. Well, we'll get, into the, we'll get into the Casemiro discussion because, like Anthony, I think the Brazilians are going to dominate the team selection for the Arsenal match, not only for Man United. You look at Arsenal's team, it's pretty much a Brazil 11. But um, Ugly here saying, um, I think Varane this season has really stepped up and taken control of the defence. Okay. We're seeing Madrid version of Varane. Now, look, I don't want to get into all the captain's debate because Bruno's here. Um, Bruno Fernandez is captain Man United, three wins on the bounce. So long may that continue. But um, I think in the, my next captain's debate, Varane must be top of that list. I'm really liking what I've seen here. Now, Larry, I think this is a little bit tongue-in-cheek from Adam. However, in regards to the discussion we're having from, in regards to the back four, 
and throw Varane into this. There has to be a little bit in this, which I do. I understand the bit of the banter behind it, but celebrating because they aren't next to Harry Maguire next or every week. And I'm just thinking, not Harry Maguire overall, but what he was dishing up, the, the perception around him last season, everything he touched turned up in an own goal sort of thing or, or, or an error sort of thing. So there is there was that feeling around him that he was, unfortunately, not through his own doing, but he was bringing to the team. He was bringing to the back four. There was this attention on it. I'm just thinking they don't have that in the next to them now. Delo doesn't have to go, oh, God, there's a calamity waiting to happen over there now. He can focus on his game. I'm just thinking Harry Maguire out of the 11. Yes, Martinez and Varane are bringing positive things to it. But in terms of Eric Ten Hag taking the, I hate to say this, but because I like Harry Maguire, but taking the negative out of it has just been just as important. I think you're being a bit kind to Harry Maguire, mate. Uh, there was a, was it, which player was it? It was either. In, in the first two games this season, in the first two games this season, Harry Maguire, look, wasn't great. He, he was in the top three. I think he got to some of our points in the first game of the season against Brighton. I know it was a shocking result, but he yeah. wasn't horrible this season. I'm just saying just no, the perception around him. I take your point. But there was an instance in this match. Uh, Varane ended up one-on-one with either Iannaccio or Vardy, I want to say. And Varane snapped him up quickly. And the difference is when Harry Maguire is one-on-one with a defender, he backs off because he lacks yeah. pace and he lacks confidence. Yeah. The difference. Yeah. The difference in quality, the difference in confidence, the difference in leadership. And that's the thing. Like, yes, what you're saying is right. I think Maguire hasn't been awful in the two games we've seen of him this season. But you can't change the fact that United long-term, even in the short term, want to play a high line, want to play progressive football. And you simply can't do that with the attributes that Harry Maguire carries. Simply can't. And uh, I think there's a reason why we're seeing that we have now kept two clean sheets in a row. It's as simple yeah. as that. In a counter-attacking side, Maguire was a good fit. Now we're, we want to play front foot attacking football. We want to keep the ball. He doesn't fit that, unfortunately. Yeah, no, hard to disagree. Is there anything, Rob or, or Larry, um, chime in as well, that I have missed before we get in the sort of 3-2-1 votes? Is there any sort of talking points from the game that you want to bring up, whether it be a specific player or a moment? Um, we haven't talked about the goal. Like, we'll get into Rashford's performance maybe in the 3-2-1s potentially. I thought Rashford was, first half I enjoyed what I saw, second half I thought, oh, creeping into maybe a little bit of the old Marcus Rashford. Then I saw the difference when Ronaldo came in. But ultimately Rashford got a really key assist. But um, any other talking points or moments? Quickly for me, um, shout out for the how. This is what I want to see. Big save, um, big save, for, for, big save yeah. number one. But yeah, you know, possibly if we continue with this back four and you know looking defensively sound, might, it might be just one time in the game we need him. But that was a clutch save, and that that save just as important as that goal. And that's that's what all these great you know your Edisons and your Allisons have been doing over these past couple of years. They barely have yeah. to kick a ball. You know he could have slept between the six tonight the hair, but that one time we need him. Massive save, mate. That was going on top, um, top corner. So big save, and that's just as important as the goal for me. Larry, before we move into three two ones, I was going to bring it right at the start when you brought up Scott McTominay, and I was like, okay, here's a chance I can get my McTominay propaganda in. Now, I don't know whether he comes into my three two ones. It'll be interesting around two points and one point. I had a feeling, and look, no, no one defends him more than me. However, he got a bit of praise. He got, he got his usual abuse, but he also got a little bit of praise as well. And I'm just thinking... Yes, he, he did fine. And here's I'm saying fine. I should be celebrating as a world class performance. But I thought he was okay. But I never, I didn't see anything, Larry, that was different from Scott McTominay. What I saw, especially in the first half, second half, the game sort of panned out how it panned out. But in the first half, I thought the front three defended really well, and the back four defended really well behind him. And I just thought nothing really changed in the middle with Scott McTominay. Okay, there was a few good passes, a few mistakes, but I didn't see anything drastically different. I just thought the team around him looked better. 
I, that's why a lot of people were praising Scott McTominay. I think he's been, unfortunately, him and Fred have been in the middle of a poor team, an underperforming team for so long, and they're in the middle. So that's where our attention is. Um, no, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit. I think his positional plays definitely improved. He 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 was the man actually constantly in this match where there was a pass threatening to go into the back four, and he was the one actually collecting. Uh, I definitely noticed that against Liverpool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's the thing. So we, we can't just say yes, and I agree with you, the team structure around him has improved, but clearly someone has said something to him in terms of positional play, and he's still got, he does have the instinct to sniff out a ball. But for some reason, he was finding himself out toward the wing areas when, and I think it was just the, the players trying to understand how to work in this pressing system, because it is very tactical. You need to know when to press, where to press, and that's tricky to learn. So I think he's... Now, whether Ten Hag has simplified his role a little bit or not, I'm not too sure. But he's sniffing out the opposition's threats a lot better. And his positional plays definitely improved. So credit to McTominay for doing that. But I'm not going to say that he's performed the same. I think there's definitely been a level of improvement. Well, that, at the end of the day, is all you can ask. You need these players to improve. Um, and f- fair play to McTominay, but also Eric Ten Hag and the rest of the coaching staff. But we will go to 3-2-1s and um, get your comments in the, live, in the live chat below in regards to your 3-2-1s. And if you are new to the podcast this season, 3-2-1s obviously tally up the vote at the end of the season and we'll have, award a podcast player of the season. Now, it's not just the man of the match. Now, it can be a man of the match, but as Rob just said, there was a huge moment where David De Gea made potentially a match-winning save. So a moment like that can sometimes potentially be worth two or maybe even three points. So match-winning goal, match-winning tackle, those types of things, and obviously the performance as a whole. So do get your thoughts in the live chat. Rob, as the guest, we'll have a bit of a discussion, but I'll give you first chance to throw your um, name in the hat for three points. Um, who are you thinking for this one? Toss up between um, Varane and Lissandra for me for the, for the three points today. Uh, again, I think um, we won this game again on the, on the defence. Um, but look... I'm happy for you guys. It's the first time we're doing three, two, ones on on the pod. I'm buckle under pressure, mate. <laughs> I, I normally do the previews. I haven't done a review before, so I was excited about this. But you're usually on I'm, after a loss, are you? After a five-year yeah, loss. Normally, if I'm allowed, I want to do the two points tonight. And for me to say, I want to give it to Scott McTominay because um, you know, everyone knows me. I am not a McTominay fan at all, and I actually really did think that he had a, one of his um really good games today. And, and I actually did think he got that yellow card, which he didn't, which. Was um you know because that would have been his fifth yellow card in five games, which would have been a suspension already. But I really did. I watched another two minute video before we come on, and the amount of intercepts he made today, he a lot of quick balls in transition. I just you know I really thought he'd done a really good job. So I'll definitely nominate him for the two points. Um, and I, I'm happy for you guys to go for the free. Look, you're not going to get any complaints from me. And as the host, I'm taking those two points. I'll get McTominay on the board. But the first name you mentioned there, for me, it was clear. Rafael Varane, I thought, and, and it's hard because one to win, okay, Jaden Sancho, we haven't even mentioned him, another sort of good goal. But I, I, I agree. Look, Christian Eriksen and McTominay I thought were very similar. My bias would say McTominay in regards to what Eric Ten Hag would have wanted from him. I think if you threw someone else in that Christian Eriksen position, like a Bruno or Fred or James Garner or Donny Vanderbeck, not James Garner anymore, but Donny Vanderbeck, I think you could have got a similar maybe performance from a Christian Eriksen. But I think what Ten Hag wanted from Scott McTominay, no complaints in that. And we don't know the next time he's going to get points. So as as the guest, Rob, I'm, I'm locking those two points in. Rafael Varane for three points. And the third on the wheel, Larry, um, I'll give you free reign for the one point. Because, look, Sean Scott McTominay in there, now there are sort of huge options for that one point. You have... At the end of the day, match winner, Jaden Sancho. Rashford got the assist. Um, David De Gea, big save. Um, Lissandro Martinez and Malassia as well. So your work is cut out for you, Larry. Um, who are you sort of squeezing in for one point? 
I think it's an easy one. And I think it's captain Bruno Fernandes. I thought he was really good. He, he could have had an assist. Um, I thought he, I know Rashford gets the assist for Sancho, but it starts with Fernandes identifying the space on the right, football intelligence and awareness. Diogo Dulo plays the ball into him and he sees the three on two and he takes full advantage of that. That three on two is not obvious. He's not playing right wing, but he identifies the space and puts himself there. Uh, and I thought his overall game was really good. And even when he moved to the right, his distribution, the way he kept the ball, really sensible, really assured. You, you can't ask for more from Fernandez at the moment. I think he's, his season's going on an upward trajectory. The more he plays, his, his performances are getting better and better. Like I said in the last review, I think he's taking to the armband. And look, like you said, there are definitely a number of... Look, the, the Sancho shouts for one point. Outside the goal, I don't really think he threatened too much, to be honest with you. Same with Rashford. He got the assist. Other than the assist, I don't really think he did too much. Ronaldo looked sharp when he come on. If he started the game... And I disagree. Kept... I disagree with the Ronaldo one today. I don't well, know he, he's, he's, the next, he's the next discussion, Ronaldo. And look, if that, if that volley ends up in the top corner, we're having a different discussion. But Ryan makes the point you there make about Jaden Sancho. It was very, very good sort of tactical move from Eric Ten Hag to take Jaden Sancho off for Fred and yeah. sort of change that shape a little bit. I think Bruno Fernandes went to the right... But in regards to moving on from 3 2 ones, we will go Varane and McTominay voted for, um, voted for by Rob. Um, so pin that in the comments. And uh, one point for Bruno Fernandez. But I will see the 3 2 ones from everyone in the live chat Varane, Bruno, David De Gea for Adam. Ugly here saying Ericsson, Varane, Sancho. Ericsson is a shout. Look, he's hard done by not to get points, in my opinion. But um, it is what it is. So obviously, everyone has a bit of a different view. Um, Chris here, Varane, McTominay, and Ronaldo. He's got. In there as well. Ronaldo's an interesting shout, which is the next discussion. Um, not so much in the Leicester game, but just the, the whole situation. Yeah, I'm ready to argue with Rob now. It's Ryan Erickson, Delo. Delo's a shout. I thought Delo did very well as well. Um, and David De Gea for one point, and Ashby here, Treef, Erickson, Varan, and David De Gea. So we look, we will move it on for from the three two ones and have a bit of a Ronaldo slash transfer window discussion and wrap up with a Arsenal preview. But Cristiano Ronaldo now. Feel free, lads, to throw the Leicester um, City performance in there in part of, part of your discussion before preseason. Pretty much a week before, two or three weeks before the players arrived in Melbourne um, down here in Australia for preseason tour. The story around Cristiano Ronaldo broke that he wants to leave. He wants to go play Champions League football. Did we think he was going to go? Did we think no one knew how it was going to? Our opinions change every single day up until the last couple of hours. Then ultimately it did look like Manchester United were going to keep a hold of him through no lack of trying on Ronaldo's half. It did look like he kept pushing as hard as he could. No club could want him slash afford him. So he did stay at Manchester United. Now, my biggest thing here, Rob, is personally I'm happy. Now, if someone thinks we're stronger without Ronaldo, we should have got rid of him. Okay, that's a valid opinion. In my opinion, I'm happy we kept him. He's our best striker. Ultimately, he's our best player. He's our best leader. He creates a higher standards around the training ground. So for one more seat, and ultimately just the legacy of seeing Ronaldo in a Man United shirt, I'm happy with it. Now, he has a challenge now. Now, he, this is a player who has risen to challenges before, but it's not the challenges he's used to. And I don't know how, I assume he's going to react well. However, we haven't, we've got no evidence on how he is going to react to this. And the challenge is, one, first time ever, no Champions League football, which is exactly what, what he wants. So how is he going to react to that? Can't, can't get it now. He's not going to go to Napoli. He's not going to go to Lisbon. He's playing Thursday night football um, with Manchester United in the Europa League. And secondly, the evidence we have now is he's got to be a little bit on the bench. So I'm just thinking when he comes on the field to perform, we're going to get into his sharpness against Leicester. Was he sharp? Was he not sharp? He's not going to be playing 90 minutes every week, which he has done his entire career. So how does he perform when he only has 20 minutes, when he has five minutes, when he has two weeks off? 
is he going to be the Ronaldo do we know? Or the, the Ronaldo we know only possible if he plays 90 minutes for a whole season. I'm just thinking, how is he going to react to those two um, challenges that he now faces? Yeah, look, I guess it is a bit unknown. Um, obviously, as you said, um, all these is brand new to him. But, you know, I think it's the best thing now that the transfer window is closed. Um, it's closed that chapter for at least till January anyway. And, look, I hope that mentality of him wanting to win every game, every trophy comes out and he really knuckles down. And I hope he kind of really buys into the team spirit because, you know, there's big leaks and rumours. You know, he's, you know, over the last season or two, he's been, you know, the pain or this and that or... You know, people don't wanted him to leave and all this stuff. But I just really hope he really kind of breaks into that whole team spirit at the moment. I hope he knuckles down and I hope he does what Ten Hag wants. And for me, you know, I think his best position is going to be coming off the bench. I don't think he should be starting, obviously, you know, unless there's an injury like in Martial. But when Martial's available or something, for me, he needs to come on maybe that last half an hour, 20 minutes. And I want him to be a killer. I want him to come on. And I want him to put games to bed. I don't care if we're one nil up, if it's nil or if it's five nil up. I want him to come on, be hungry and score goals and put the game to bed like he should have done today. And like I said, Larry thought he was sharp today. For me personally, I just don't think, you know, in any cameo he's made this year, he's looked sharp or fit at all yet. I don't know if it's the preseason or I don't know if it's because he's coming on and he's not warmed up for the last 20 minutes. But, you know, we said last week at the pub, he looks like, you know, that's not five years Ronaldo would have got there, 10 years, 20 years ago Ronaldo would have got there. But I feel like he's lost more than a yard of pace more uh, just in this offseason. He didn't look like he's been complaining. You know, it would have been nice if he's got that, um, obviously, that acrobatic goal today. But I just said, wow, man, like, you know, you should be kind of getting on the pitch. If you compare, compare it to Marcus Rashford, in regards to a centre forward, number nine, Okay, forget the now. Look, okay, yes, potentially maybe lost, lost a yard of pace here or there. However, in regards to the instruction put by the manager for the eleven, sort of the way they pressed, Marcus Rashford wasn't sort of pressing higher than Ronaldo. So I'm just thinking, yes, maybe chasing a ball in behind Rashford is obviously more dangerous. But in regards to that press, which is what we look at when Eric Ten Hag was Rashford doing more than Ronaldo? Like I'm just thinking, oh, I thought we played better football yeah, well, with Ronaldo because when the ball comes in, he's not not to criticize Rashford, but he's a better footballer. So I thought. We, Again, it was a very very small sample size or six or seven touches, but the six or seven touches created opportunities for other people where Rashford, his six or seven touches, unfortunately, I hate going, I always find myself going in on Rashford, but there was a period where he lost the ball six or seven times in two minutes. I'm just thinking that doesn't happen with Ronaldo. I just, I was screaming at the TV, run, just run, like make it look like you're having a bit of an effort. I kind of thought like it was Martial, what everyone complains about, how sometimes it looks like he's not making an effort putting his hands in the air, like a bit selfish sometimes when I don't want him to be always selfish all the time. There was a time when he could have passed, squared the ball and it could have been a better position for us to shoot and he's done a couple step overs. Like one nil up, that game wasn't in the in the bag yet. We need to go. And like I said, he could have had create more opportunities, put the goal, put more pressure on the goalkeeper, shoot on target. Like I just want to see him, like I said, be a killer and be hungry to try and win games when he comes on because he's not going to start. And I think from what we've seen from Ten Hag, it's a clear point saying you're not going to be my starter, but I want you still. I want you to score goals, and I want your experience. I want your winning mentality in this locker room, and I want you to help us win games. So that's what I want to see from him. Just that last point he makes there, Larry, in regards to, and it goes back to my original point, the second part of my question, and I want you to be a little bit more specific in regards to this part of the question. Can Ronaldo be Ronaldo off the bench, or does Ronaldo only get those performances if he is starting? Like, like does that change the play? Like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was great off the bench. Now, he wasn't a poor player when he started, but he was one player who suited that, that style. He, he was ready to go in that style. 
I'm just thinking Ronaldo might be great. He might sort of suit that role now. However, it might not. I'm just not sure. What do you think in regards to that challenge he faces? I think he could, um, but I'm going to disagree with Rob. Though I thought I thought he looked good today. I really do. I, it was his the, best. The, the, end, the end product. I thought everything was good until that where he needed that bit of burst at the end. Yes, he did. He, but that's the thing. Like in terms of him looking slower, like mate, he is slower. He's nearly 38 years old. Like he's lost pace, you know. But I, I thought overall our attack definitely looked better when he was on. You, you can't disagree with that. I mean, oh, the fact look, that... Over was, a, someone like a Langer, 100%, 100% agree with that. But, but even Rashford, when Rashford was up front, I just found him really frustrating. He kind of, he wanted to play like a winger, but through the middle. Like, he wasn't the focal point. He wasn't bringing others into play. His link-up play doesn't exist, Marcus Rashford. I know, like I said, he got the assist. But outside of the assist, his link-up play was non-existent. It just simply wasn't there. Uh, the, the most pleasing aspect I found of uh, Ronaldo's game was he did the link-up play. There was an opportunity in the second half. He did that one-two with Bruno, and then he was through on goal. And I think if that was Ronaldo of old, he probably gets a shot off on target there. He got a cross into Ericsson. Sure, he put a bit too much on it. But I think Ronaldo's not being selfish. There's also another opportunity on the left when he looked for Ericsson and the, the goalkeeper gets there. Oh, or a defender got there, sorry. So, no, I thought, I thought Ronaldo was looking for teammates. I thought he linked up play fairly well. I thought his press and his energy was good. But like Tom said, is that because he's got a 20-minute cameo as opposed to a 90-minute performance to put through? Can he put in? Can he be an impact player off the bench? I think he can be, but I don't think he's the sort of player you want being the impact off the bench. I'd actually would opt for a Rashford off the bench or a Martial off the bench. But like Rob said, I think Martial's first choice. Now, whether that's right or wrong, I think Martial's first choice. But as we're already seeing this season... Martial can't be relied upon because he's got two opportunities and he's come off injured both times. Well, comment here from Lucky, which we'll get into the Arsenal preview in two or three minutes. Hope we start Casemiro and Ronaldo against Arsenal. But just last point on Ronaldo, the whole situation around Ronaldo, Rob, in regards to we all have these opinions. Is he good enough? Is he slow? Is he, does he suit this system? From what we've seen so far this season, especially these last couple of games where Ronaldo hasn't been involved or hasn't been involved from the start and it's come with our best... I would say before, yeah, better performances, but obviously they are best results this season. What's Eric Ten Hag viewing Ronaldo? Now, obviously, all the noise is coming out from Carrington is that he's training well, he's very professional, which were sort of no surprises to anyone. But Eric Ten Hag wants to play or he's stuck with the player. Who knows? I'm going to say he wants Ronaldo in the squad, but there is a strong case, or a strong case. I think there's a valid case if you wanted to argue he's been stuck with Ronaldo. He doesn't want him. The club weren't able to offload him. How does Eric Ten Hag view that 20 minute cameo from Ronaldo? Look, no matter what he th thinks about, I think he's going to not throw the players under the bus. He seems that kind of manager. He's always going to, look, I've seen nothing but pro, um, you know, he's always praising the players after the match. He, he always says, you know, we could be better. With Ronaldo specifically, look, he's, whatever it is now, I think he always wanted him for goals, but I, I think, do think he was stuck with him. I don't think he would have been, you know, over, like really, really depressed or anything if, if, if Ronaldo did get a move away. I think he just would have got along with the, with, what he wanted because I, I still to this day Ronaldo doesn't fit into his system and that's why he's not going to start matches. So yeah, for me, I think it's a bonus. Like I said, um, we're we're thin in the attack, so you're not going to say no to having someone with the experience and winning mentality of Ronaldo. And he's normally a clutch player as well, so I think he's going to be happy. Just a last point on Ronaldo, and I'll stay with you, Rob. There in regards, to you say he doesn't suit the Eric Ten Hag system. I'm not disagreeing. I'm saying Martial's not fit. Martial's injured, six weeks hamstring injury. 
You talk about, well, Ronaldo sitting on the side and he sees Anthony Langer on the field. And this is not to go on, throw Anthony Langer under the bus, but what suits Eric Ten Hag more? Rashford on the left with Ronaldo through the middle or Rashford through the middle and a different option out wide? Look, um, we're obviously going to go through our previous. You know? For me personally, it's Rashford is best off the left. And for me, um, like I said, against Arsenal, I'll be playing Ronaldo down the middle because I'm not, again, I'm not throwing a Langer under the bus. I just think that it's too much of a drop off in quality. Ronaldo or Alain, you know what I mean? Or even, like I said, Rashford, best position, as Larry said, he's a winger. And he's, look, I don't mind him sometimes as, as, as a as a down-the-middle player, but for me, it's yeah, it's, it's got to be Ronaldo down-the-middle if it's not Martial. Look, I'm loving this chat. If you can hear snoring, my dog is just fast asleep. So no, Larry and Rob aren't sending him to sleep, but if you can hear snoring, uh, my dog is having a bit of a dream. I'm dreaming about a treble in May, potentially. But um, before we get into the Arsenal preview, Larry, just in regards to the transfer window as a whole, you can throw Ronaldo into this discussion. Is there anything away from Manchester United or Manchester United as well? Um, have your have your say that you do want to point out in regards to the transfer window? Look at Aubameyang, just um, signed for Chelsea. I only saw 20 minutes before we went on air that Dan James is now playing for Fulham. I didn't see that one coming. So just what caught your eye on sort of deadline day? Uh, Chelsea. Um Busy transfer window, but very scattered. I, I gotta say, I, I just Chelsea's transfer business this this window just makes no sense. I've seen United be criticized, criticized. We don't have a plan, etc. I actually think our signings do look good in terms of the eleven. It looks stronger. Chelsea, they they've signed every signing just doesn't make sense to me. I don't know if they're trying to sign old players, young players. I don't know what what system they're trying to go for. Just it's 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 everywhere, and they 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 are behaving like a side who just got bought by someone who enjoys a lot of FIFA or Football Manager, because that's exactly how he's operated. I don't know what you. I'm keen to see what you guys think about Chelsea's transfer strategy or lack thereof in this window. Very busy, lots of money spent, but I just I don't feel like they've strengthened their squad at all. Yeah, I agree. It feels a little bit like maybe Man United, a bit of a prime Man United under Ed Woodward. Sort of, yeah, no real structure. Now, some of those deals might happen. They might work. Um, others might not. Chelsea is a club before the takeover, during the midst of the takeover. I had a feeling, just in regards to the makeup of their squad, I thought it got a little bit stale. So maybe this is the shake-up they need, Rob. But yeah, Chelsea is, a, I said, out of the big teams, if one team is to maybe fall away from that top four to open a spot for United, is potentially Chelsea. Now, that's probably off the back of Liverpool and City being so good, you don't expect them to drop off. But Chelsea, there was always a concern, not a concern, I'd, I'd bloody love it, but there's always a concern from Chelsea's point of view that they could potentially fade away if things go wrong in the transfer market. But is anything sort of stand out for you, whether that be Chelsea or another club that does sort of stick out of the final couple of days of the window? Yeah, look, obviously Chelsea was a big one, obviously busy. I, I, look, I think Aubameyang, my personally, I think Aubameyang will do a job there. I'm, I was surprised with the, you know, I think it's two years plus one, which, you know, for his age and stuff like that, I thought it might have been a quick fix, maybe come in for a year and then they might have went hard for someone next season. But look, I think Aubameyang will do a job. Zachariah, I, I obviously know him from um, Juventus, he, a, de- a decent squad player. Um, obviously, the they were obviously linked to Frankie Diong and a few other players, the guy from Ajax as well, which wasn't get over the line. They've gone, really gone in on their defence again. I think to maybe um, Thiago Silva, obviously like Ronaldo, 38 years old, he's not getting any any younger. So I think they've gone all out with, um, you know, bringing in 22-year-old Fafana. And they bring Koulibaly, which, you know, really good player, but I still, I think he's over the hill. Um, I think he's had his best years at Napoli. So that'll be interesting to see if that one works. Cucurella, look, 
spent, overspent for him. I think he's a decent fullback. But again, their, their system's all over the place. Um, you know, when he first came in, I think they were playing their free at the back with their wing backs and they looked good. Now they're talking about, I've heard them saying that they want to maybe play a back four. They want to try and fit all these plays in Brees James, all these wing backs. I don't know if they're going to play a three at the four. But look, I think their biggest thing is their, is their midfield because they've, you know, I think for me personally, even as an Italian, I would have got rid of um, Jorginho. I think he's had it. They've um, Kovacic, he's in and out of the team. Kante is in and out of the team. So for me, they haven't strengthened their midfield, which is where they're normally not batting. So look, for me, I really want to see them fail. But they're always one of those teams. Chelsea, they just hang around that top four. I think that they, that they thrive in a bit of chaos. So oh, that, that sort of mate. circus nature, that sort of, they're, they're built on that. Okay, they've got to win a Champions something. League, then they sack a manager. Yep. They, yep. It's how that club runs. Um, I don't um, enjoy that. I, I, I don't support that, but that's why we're Man United fans them. and they're Chelsea fans. Just quickly on the United front, personally, I was happy to get um, Chong off the books. I've never rated him, so I was kind of glad to see that we got something for him. He's a permanent, he's off the books now. For me, that was a positive. It sounds bad, but I just never rated him. Oh, yeah. you know? I'm surprised he got so much game time in the preseason. And look, obviously, there was a few um, few loans out. Ahmed obviously went to Sunderland, which I think is good. He needs game time. He's still young. He's only 20. So they're playing the championship. I think he's better than when he went on loan to Rangers last year. But there was a few others that went out. But yeah, look, I was, I was secretly, I was hoping we're going to get a striker in. I still think we're really thin as a number nine, even with Ronaldo. Marcel, as you can see, he's... He's only had 45 minutes worth of football this season, and I don't think we can play, rely on Ronaldo to play continuously 90 minutes every game. Yeah, no, definitely. Look, I'll go to um, Larry for the to start off the Arsenal preview, but just a quick question, Rob, a little bit early from Chris. What's the jersey behind? I think it's a 10-11 jersey from memory. 10-11, but yeah. it's all the legends on it. I've got some pretty good legends on it. I got that for my 30th from a um, big group of mates. So, yeah, it's got heaps of legends on it. Dennis Law, Brian Giggs, Rio Ferdinand, uh, it's got Schmark on it. It's got, yeah, 10 legends on it. So one of my favourites. No, beautiful. Um, yeah, that, whenever I see that kit, Wayne Rooney's bicycle. Yeah, it's a, it was a classic kit, obviously, winning the title in it. Ugly here saying, what's happened with Donny van der Beek? I don't think he's played one minute since the season started. That is an interesting one, obviously. We I all thought this, it was a new I signing. But, um, well, I, I called it not, not to take sort of joy in it, but it was one of those ones where this is more... A prediction more more than hope or sort of sense, but I was thinking he's gonna weirdly he's gonna like Scott McTominay more than Donny Van Der Beek. And I was like, what are you talking about? That's not going to happen. I said, watch. As a manager, he might not like the player. He might prefer the footballer. But as a manager, picking someone to play a football match for you at the highest level, it will be Scott McTominay over Donny Van Der Beek, which sounded crazy at the time. It is looking to potentially be true. But I'll go to Larry for the start of the Arsenal preview because Rob and I both have our start elevens we put together before we went live and joined us right when we sort of kicked off. So just get your two cents on the Arsenal match and um, what are you thinking? Obviously, with the evidence we have over the last three games, um, do you change your winning team? I think he'll rotate a little bit. I do. Um, back four will stay the same. I think that's a sure thing. You can bet your house on that. The one I'd be just a little bit curious about, Ericsson, I'm just – he's played a lot of football since he's – He's probably played the most minutes of any yeah. midfielder since uh, the season started. Um, and I just given the short turnaround, the amount of running in that position, the fact it's Arsenal, I just wonder, will he go for a McTominay-Casemiro partnership? I know it's a bit, you might argue, it lacks a bit of creativity there, but I think the kind of game that Arsenal will play, it might work. I think it'll be similar to Liverpool. I, I think it'll be that kind of match. So it, that that kind of midfield partnership might work. I think there's an argument to be had there. Um, 
Yeah, I, I would probably. I'm gonna say goes McTominay, Casemiro. I think Casemiro gets his first start, and uh, I, I'm I, I'm with Rob. I think Ronaldo will get his first. Oh, well, not his first start. His first start since Brentford. He'll be up front, and I think uh, Rashford will be on the left. Sancho will be on the right. Anthony will come off the bench. Yeah, well, it'll be, it's an interesting point you made there, but just Chris who's been active in the live chat, um, jumping off, that's good to have a chat. Have a good weekend, mate. Always good to have you in here. Um, it's interesting you made that point about Ericsson and McTominay and Casemiro, and I think Casemiro will be in a lot of our start 11s. But I'll just go to Rob, and I'll bring Rob's start 11 up. And So I haven't started it, but I have a feeling we do have one change or sort of one difference in ours, and it's funny here, Rob, not the biggest fan of Scott McTominay, but here uh, you're giving him two points off the back of his performance. But then we go back to sort of look forward to the game after a good performance. I think we both sit here and think, well, okay, bring Casemiro on for McTominay. Even myself as a big fan of him, I say, okay, played well, did your job, we need a new job now. But you've sort of not disagreed with Larry, but you've picked Christian Eriksen in your starting 11 here over Scott McTominay, and you've obviously brought Ronaldo in there. So Casemiro... Has to start. I, I forget what he did against Southampton on for a few minutes. When he came on today, he, God, he, obviously he's a good player. He's been the best defense, one of the best defensive midfielders in the world for the last five years. Obviously he's a good player, but we're seeing it up close when you're heavily invested in the performance and result. He's a player. God, he looked tidy on the ball. Yeah, big, big game player, man. That's when I think you'll relish on a game like this at Old Trafford. I do think he'll be buzzing. Obviously, you know we've seen the what happened last year. Ronaldo kind of. Kind of came. Anthony is going to be in the crowd, possibly coming off the bench. I just hope there's going to be really like um big vibes for this game. But yeah, look, the back four picks itself. You can't change that now. There's no way Harry Maguire, Luke Shaw is getting in that back four. Casemiro, I was really surprised he didn't get a start today. So I really hope he gets a start in this game. Ericsson and 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 Bruno Aldan, I still want to see start. Um, I think they're our most creative players. I think um any kind of chance we have at winning or scoring is going to come from something they create. Rashford and Sancho as well. Anthony, I'd love him to start this game, but I just, three days worth of training, I can't see him just being thrown into the mix. I'll be really surprised if that happens. This is my this is my team what I'd like. I don't know if um, if the boss would agree. I could probably see um, Alanga maybe getting the, the start, even though I disagree with that. But Ronaldo has to start this game for me. Um, like I said, we haven't been doing the pressing, as we said before. I actually think um, Arsenal's going to dominate possession most of this game. So we probably are going to have to play counter-attacking football. We need an aerial threat, which we don't really have. So Ronaldo's the man, and look, he always scores against Arsenal. So that's who I would go with. I don't know if Eric would agree, but um, yeah. So yeah, well, I think mine is more along the lines of the predicted lineup. And you talk about how the way could potentially unfold against Arsenal. I'll bring mine up. And there is the one change. It is in that middle. I think it will be Scott McTominay. Um, over Christian Eriksen, which um, sort of Larry alluded to a little bit earlier, and it's nothing against Christian Eriksen, it's not dropping him, but the sort of conundrum I'll throw to you, Larry. Arsenal at the top of the table, five from five. Okay, uh, do we expect them to be there in a couple of weeks? Probably not. Okay, but fair play to them. They're winning their games and they're playing good football, and Manchester United didn't have the greatest start. It's not back Fergie Wenger, it's not Keenan Vieira, but it does have a big game feel. There'll obviously be that tension in the air before the match with the Glazers out protest. We'll have Anthony, neither of us included Anthony in the starting lineup, where I think all three of us would sort of love to see him start. But there will be a sort of a, a sort of feel good atmosphere. So sort of once kickoff happens, there will be a buzz. There, there will be that sort of big game feel against Arsenal. And I'm just thinking, in regards to the way Arsenal could potentially be on the front foot. And there's a little bit sort of back and forth, box for box action. That's where I think um, Scott McTominay, a lot of people won't like it. I think from the manager's point of view, he will offer him over Christian Eriksen if we're assuming Casemiro comes in to start. 
I'm impressed, Tom. You've gone for the exact same lineup I said. Love it. Yeah. But, but no, talk to me about the McTominay and Ericsson sort of because I don't disagree. I, ideally, yes, I'd play Casemiro, Ericsson, Bruno. I just think Eric Ten Hag will go McTominay in this. I think Casemiro showed us all today, and I put my hand up. He's better on the ball than I thought he was. He, he can he can play, yeah. and I, I think I underestimated that, and that was probably why in my head I've said. I don't think these two can play together. But to be fair, I mean, if you go off our sample size, anytime I've seen Real Madrid, and I've seen a lot of Real Madrid over the years, he's had two absolute ballers in front of him in Tony Cruz and Luka Modric. So his role has probably just been get the ball back and pass it on to one of these guys. But I think coming to United, he will get the opportunity to demonstrate his abilities on the ball. And like you got, you like you've both alluded to, the second Casemiro's come on. Brazilians just changed the game back in United's favour. Now, of course, Leicester did press back on, but they were chasing the game. Overall, his quality on the ball just so assured. He had time. Good players have time, and that's what Casemiro had. So I think it could work. Maybe Casemiro will be the more of the um, get the ball off the back four. McTominay can progress a little bit higher up the pitch. Yeah, I just think, again, an Eric Ten Hag has no sort of sort of history or research into this. I'm sure people around the club will be telling him, but Rob sort of alludes to Ronaldo. Or, now, Ronaldo has a great record against a lot of clubs. Scott Tomlin steps up against Arsenal, usually one of these teams he sort of does have a good performance in. So, look, it's it's weird where – it's probably a good thing, but it's weird where the fan base was unanimous six weeks ago or two weeks ago probably. Don't have Scott McTominay anywhere near this eleven. Now we're saying, well, maybe you could play over Christian Eriksen and maybe it's the right thing. There's a comment here from Ugly Bear. I'll throw to you, Rob. I think there is absolutely no chance of this. However, yeah, actually, there is no chance of this. However, the way we have had debates in regards to pick and start 11s in previous seasons, we have, okay, attacking options and defensive options. Ugly Bear, he's saying Wambasaka for Delow. I'm sure there is no chance of that. However, Arsenal do pose a bit of a threat in those wide areas. And I'm just thinking Wambasaka is obviously um, quite capable defensively in those isolated sort of 1v1s. Can only see him coming off if it's one or or we're possibly winning towards the end of the game just to try and wrap it up because he is better defensively than Dallow. But from the start, for me, there's no chance unless there was an injury, obviously, to Dallow. He, he's being decent, man. And like I said, that, that chemistry between the back four, you have to keep them together. I think so he's one of our – he didn't come in our 3-2-1 discussions. I thought he's potentially – Hard done by not to get a 3-2 really, one today. Really, really good today. Really good today. And like to say that three of the back four were on yellow cards as well. I really thought they'd done a decent job how early they were. I think it was the first, first half booked, all, all three, I think. Nearly, I think all of them were nearly in the first half. So to go through, like, and that was a pretty, you know, um, pretty intense game. You know, there was tackles flying there. And so to, to get, I really thought there was going to be a red card. And um, I was like, geez, that's the last thing we need before Arsenal. But yeah, credit to him. There's no way it gets dropped. Can I say, boys, McTominay was lucky not to get a yellow card when he committed the foul. Was it on I Madison? Said, I said that. That's what I said. I He's on four yellow cards as well. That's what so I said. It would have been five and five. He would have been the early suspension. Yeah, mate. yeah he, well, he'll be gone in the next couple of weeks, McSauce. He's, he's right on the edge. Oh, no, that, that and look, there's a bit, there's a bit to be critical about that, and there's a bit to obviously look and say, well, he is doing a job. So, it is just one of those things that comes with that type of player in the middle. But just before we wrap up, we'll um, just finish with the last bit on Arsenal, and sort of you alluded to him a little bit before, Larry, in regards to Anthony. In all our starting elevens here, we've said no, he'll come off the bench. However, I talk about that big game feel. I talk about this atmosphere building at Old Trafford, and I'm just thinking. Sometimes there's always these expressions. Don't play the don't play the occasion. Make sure you play the game. I'm just thinking sometimes in games like this, it is the occasion. You look how many times Manchester United rock into town at a, a team like Brentford or Brighton, wherever. 
it's because of the occasion. It's because of the size of Manchester United that the crowd does play a part in the game. The crowd does win the game for these players. But I was thinking there is potential for Old Trafford to be absolutely rocking if Anthony is started. And I'm just thinking, could Eric Ten Hag say, stuff it up, bought him for $100 million. He's He knows the system. He might not know the system with the Manchester United players. But I'm just thinking Eric Ten Hag might actually go, stuff it, I'm playing him. And that could be the wrong decision or it could be an absolute masterstroke. And I think there is, I think we're all just said, because Casemiro didn't start, okay, Anthony won't. There is a chance Anthony does, in my opinion. I'd love it, mate. But uh, yeah, I, I would be surprised, um, you know, after such a sh- short turnaround. But me, I've just, I don't know why I keep thinking, I've got vibes from when Martial got signed on deadline, then came on off the bench against Liverpool and, yeah. and obviously scored that famous goal. Me personally, mate, if it was nil or two, you know, or something like that, and he'd come on and done something like that, just a piece of magic, which I reckon he would really relish this game. He'd love to come on and really score the, the winning goal in this game and you know it would go down straight away in all our minds that we wouldn't be forgetting so i think he definitely makes an appearance off the bench but um for me from from this after the arsenal game i can see him starting i really think he'll start i think it's just because of such a short turnaround i'll really be surprised in the game like this if he starts your thoughts larry can i go straight into it score prediction i have to i'm That's weirdly Confident, weirdly confident for this. I don't know why. Weirdly, mate, we're beating Arsenal. We're going to give them their first sell of the season. Like I said, I've been speaking to Robert, and I say this for Manchester United. It's, it's why I like it's why I like losing games in preseason, and that's what I say to Arsenal. I'm sticking by it. And it, it does prove true. The longer you go winning, the closer you are to your next loss. Now, the longer we're going winning, we're going to three events, the closer we are, unfortunately, to our next loss. That is the way sport and life happens. But I'm just thinking, Arsenal are five from five. They don't have a great record at Old Trafford. And just in regards to the... There is excitement around the Premier League at the moment for whoever, maybe unless you're a Bournemouth fan or whatever. There, There is that excitement. And this would light the Premier League up, in my opinion, Rob, if Man United did get a result and there was that feel around Ten Hag and Anthony and suddenly, I don't want to say the title race, but suddenly if the first place loses, it blows the title race open. I'm just thinking that is where this confidence... I think can see... Oh, look, in the bookies' eyes, it might actually be an upset. I wouldn't call it an upset. Man United beating Arsenal at Old Trafford, but the situation we find ourselves in now, you'd say it's, okay, an upset. Confident of this upset. Upset, please. please. Look, I'm glad you guys are the confident ones, man. You know me, I'm so pessimistic. I always, Come I always... on, Rob. Just say I... it with me. I could go Man United will beat Arsenal on Monday morning. Just say Look, it. Mate. You'll feel better. Oh, mate. Just say I it with I me. I say it every week. <laughs> I can't say it. I <laughs> wouldn't. I'm not confident. I wasn't confident against Leicester this morning. So look, yeah. but look, I think I can't. Say, I think it'll be a one or draw. I really think it'll be a, a quitting oh. nil or draw. Come but, on, look, mate. Come on, Rob. Nothing more. Look, mate. You just know me. Just Scott, just Scott on the pod. If I get excited, he's just gonna shit me down. It's gonna hurt me more. Trust me. That. You can deal with that <laughs> after the match. For now, we look, ride the confident wave. Posi- and positivity. Muscle. Positivity two nil. My, that's my heart. One for my head, I'm I'm saying a one or draw. Mate, my heart is saying two nil. My brain saying three nil. <laughs> no, you can who... three nil every every game. I think sometimes <laughs> Ronaldo's gonna. I'm t- I reckon Ronaldo's. I, if Ronaldo, Ronaldo starts, I reckon Ronaldo's gonna open his account. He's gonna score against Arsenal yeah. and. Uh, uh, he, well, uh, I think that's. A, I talk about McTominay, sort of maybe uh, Darren Fletcher or whoever's in the backroom staff, sort of reminding Steve McLaren and Eric Ten Hag that McTominay steps up against Arsenal. 
there's no secret around, well, football, Eric Ten Hag will know Ronaldo plays against Arsenal, there's a very good chance he's going to score. And I think he's our best striking option at the moment, so that's why I'm playing Ronaldo. But also, I t- talk about this occasion almost being bigger than the game. I think, yeah, play Ronaldo for the occasion. That suddenly worries Arsenal. I think, oh, God, we've got to deal with Ronaldo. He's due a goal. Again, the longer Ronaldo goes without scoring, the closer he is to his next goal. So he's definitely the odds-on to maybe score against Arsenal. So it is interesting. Ryan here saying, tough one to call, 2-0 or 2-1 or 1-0 to United. Have another go, mate. Maybe go 3-1 as well. But um, if anyone who hasn't, um, as Rob mentioned there, he obviously on It's a Football thing. link is in the description below. He does shows on Tuesdays and Thursday nights, obviously with a fellow Gooner as well. So it will be a huge show. Uh, regardless of the result, uh, next Tuesday night, fingers crossed it is a positive one for Man United fans. But um, yeah, it has been well, a quick Friday night. I finished my beverage. But um, Larry and Rob, anything else to touch on as we're sort of creeping up to an hour of the um, Friday night pint? Um, talk to me before I have a good night. I want a kit number prediction for Anthony, gentlemen. It has to be 11. Man. 11 It'll be 11. 11. It'll be 11. I actually I just Force it as well, considering. I, I don't think there'll be any ramifications, Larry. We had a chat about it in regards to, well, hang on, if I don't want to get into the sort of legalities of it, if Greenwood gets off tomorrow, what happens? Because he have some some right, and I'm thinking, well, he's not registered, so he might as well be a player on loan. So he's not registered within the squad. I remember when one matter got the number eight shirt, Anderson was on loan. I think it was on loan at Crystal Palace or something. When Anderson go on loan that David Moyes season, I forget the number eight becomes available. So I, I think they will, um, yeah, as Rob says, potentially force this on Anthony. And um, look, not to take light of the situation, but just make sure we wrap Anthony in cotton wool, give him all the classes that he needs to make sure he behaves himself as the Manchester United number 11 needs to. And um, we can move to a brighter future. 100%. Giggs had a... Um... Uh, I, I don't know the legal term. The jury couldn't come to a decision. So um... yes, yeah, uh, I think it looks like potential. Well, I don't know how it's going to come back if they didn't come to a decision, but it looks like they're potentially going to revisit it. Who knows what's going to happen with that? Time. And Gary Neville's crossed. been referred to the Attorney General. So there you go. Oh god! And I saw Jamie Carragher was snatching phones out of people at Nottingham Forest or something. He's done his whole Ronaldo. It's off in the Premier League, but um, fingers crossed, it all kicks off in a positive way for Manchester United and Eric Ten Hag, and obviously his new. I don't want to say because I, I, I hate the way it's reported in regards to in in our pound. So sort of as Manchester United fans, is an eighty-five million pound signing that we're going to get sort of thing drawn into this discussion. Anthony, we're going to label him. Unfortunately, as Man United fans and the media, especially, will. He's a hundred million pound player. Now it's a hundred million euros, but he will be have this hundred million price tag, unfortunately. And look, what better way, Larry and Rob, just to, if that hundred million pound player puts it in the top corner? I absolutely love it, mate. I absolutely love it. Fingers <laughs> crossed. Fingers crossed. Anything else to add, Larry, before we wrap up? We're beating Arsenal on Monday. Revel in it, lads. If you are confident and agree, or even if you disagree, just to please like the video. You are holding your phone. It takes two seconds. Click like. That would be greatly appreciated. And um, if you are new, make sure you hit that subscribe button. And now we'll be back on Monday night, Australian time, Monday morning, UK time, to discuss that 4-1 victory over Arsenal. 4-0, who am I kidding? Not 4-1. 4-0 victory over Arsenal on Monday night. Until then, um, have a good weekend, and we'll chat to you. Cheers. Cheers. Ciao.